The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. It's Light the Tower, your daily look around the world of sports. With Hall of Fame broadcaster and voice of the Texas Longhorns, Craig Way. And Horns 24-7 insider, Jeff Howe. On your live, local, and independent home for sports talk in Austin, the Horn. now there we go <laughs> it's a thursday morning we're here well mike issue there it's all right we're up and running here we welcome you to light the tower here on the horn apologize colonel flowers if you had to hold that plank position a little longer there we were here just a little button issue there with the microphones there a little different mic settings that happens from show to show well, we're glad to have you with us. Good morning and welcome to the program. My name is Craig Wake. Glad to have you with us. The Jeff Howe vacation is underway. So he's out the rest of this week and then all of next week. And then I'll be gone on the annual sabbatical afterwards. But uh, but we're here. Our producer, Cameron Parker, as always, is here at the Switch and ready to roll. How you doing this morning, Cam? Doing great, Craig. Uh, I got my flat tire changing time under 10 minutes so it, i should throw better. it in inconceivable i should throw it in and and, uh, and by the way and i'm gonna let cam tell a story here in a second uh inconceivable is coming up uh in about 15 minutes we're doing it early this hour and there's a very specific reason for that which i'll explain in a moment but you just had a tire issue what a couple of weeks ago yeah about a month ago month ago blew out my uh driver's side rear tire on 183 yeah. a new tire discount tire pay for warranty folks if you don't already because i yeah. saved you know that's good good penny and then yesterday, now it wasn't the same tire was it It was the same tire you're kidding <laughs> yeah same tire on 183 once again it was it near the area where you had the last one a little bit farther north so i'd reached the toll part of the road unfortunately wow. i heard a big pop uh-huh. like a gunshot going off yeah and uh fortunately i was just about to exit for uh, my exit off 1431 pulled yeah. in changed it real quick won the discount tire and found a big nail that had uh gotten into my tire and exploded uh, out so all that construction on 183 i'm yep. sure there's a lot of debris on the highway so that's great but i saw a few other people also with flat tires on 183 yesterday too so uh, it's a, a mess right now, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, it's 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 not good. So be careful on the on the roadways, folks. And I'm no longer a resident of Cedar Park as of you know late late last June is when I moved to Georgetown. Uh, so I don't travel as much regular 183 North, you know, like I did for 23 years, um, uh, and almost 24 years. And so I went up that way just a little bit. Uh, yesterday, and I was like, ooh, mm. it's the, you know, with the construction stuff. But I mean, it's happening everywhere. I mean, we know this going 35 through Round Rock yep. and into Georgetown. And by the way, at nighttime, if you're driving up there and you get to Williams Drive, I mean, they got all that construction going on with the bridge there. So you're going to be, you know, you're going to be slowed down. And then this morning, uh, you know, the usual wrecks. I like what Don Miller, our traffic guy, said. He said, we've had more wrecks during this hour than we had during the entire. Morning drive, wow. which included where I was coming up 183. Yeah. Uh, it's it's actually 183 North. That's why because odd numbered highways, both U.S. highways and interstate highways, if it's an odd uh, if it's an odd number, it means it's a north south. If it's an even number, it's east west. But what you'll often hear our friend Don Miller say is. He'll go 183 north or westbound, if you will. And what he means by that is because the road kind of 
curves out kind of a in, in an almost mm-hmm. east west thing before it cuts really north again. So he does a good job with that in terms of the directional part, how it kind of flattens out into a west west to easterly uh, plane before it cuts north again about the time you get to Mopac. Well, I was on that that portion was right there, burn it, and there was big rack and the entire left lane shut down. So be careful if you're driving through all of that. Um, as I mentioned, we're going to uh, get to, since, since we just did a little bit of inconceivable stuff there with regard to traffic, actually, I think we've all been around Austin long enough to know that almost any traffic situation is not inconceivable and, in fact, is quite conceivable. Uh, but our regular inconceivable segment is going to come up in about 15 minutes. The reason for that is uh, we're going we're gonna to have our Longhorn Notebook right around the same time, maybe just a little past the bottom of the hour. The Longhorn Notebook clearly and obviously is going to be uh, you know, centered in on the 2024 SEC schedule. And, Cam Parker, what is the most talked about element of the Texas Longhorn football schedule for 2024, not only for Texas Longhorn fans, but the way it was presented on SEC Network on that schedule reveal yesterday, the most talked about element on that program was what? It's got to be the renewal of a long-time rivalry. And although it's a road game, it has to be the road game against Vanderbilt, right, Craig? Oh, it had to be, right? You can't wait to find out when that is. Oh, right? A&M. Oh, sorry. must have, must have slipped my mind. <laughs> the home game against Mississippi State, right? <laughs> yeah. That, no, obviously it's Texas A&M. And, uh, and, and we'll certainly uh, dive into talking about that, that, that Longhorn schedule. Uh, but joining us just past the bottom of the hour, to give us, don't don't gasp, but to give us the Texas A&M side of things, my counterpart, and a really all-around all great guy, Andrew Monaco, the play-by-play voice of the Aggies of Texas A&M, will join us just past the bottom of the hour, and we'll get his thoughts on the perspective of, of what it's like. You know, it, it's not unusual for us to have – people who cover Texas A&M on the program to present that. In fact, it was a year ago today, or at least a year ago this weekend on the Thursday, going into the College World Series in Omaha, when I had Olin Buchanan, mm-hmm. who writes for Texas, and I've known OB for decades since he was working with the Tyler Morning Telegraph and was covering high school football, and I was doing my high school thing in Dallas, and that's where we, and Cedric Golden, uh, all of us. Uh, became friends back in the day back then. And, of course, Olin has uh, been residing in the Brazos Valley and covering Texas A&M. When we had him on, it was like it was today, which would be the workout and press conference day in Omaha, which it is today, Thursday, the day before the College World Series begins. And I had Olin on talking about the Aggies. And so it's not it's not unusual, us, usual for us to have uh, those to present the perspective of – as they like to say, the Association of Former Students, those over there in the Brazos Valley. So uh, Andrew Monaco will be on to, to talk not only uh, about uh, the Aggie side and perspective of the uh, Texas-Texas A&M renewal, uh, the restart uh, again uh, of uh, the rivalry, but also their schedule, their SEC schedule. So we'll get we'll get his thoughts on that. So. And they got to be pretty happy about their their schedule, Craig, because they get Texas at home. They avoid Alabama and Georgia. Their toughest game is at Florida, and who knows what Florida will be like in two years? Yeah, yeah. As, as and and I th- I think so. And LSU home as well. Yeah. Somebody says the station director is an Aggie. Where's it? Oh, you mean the program director? You mean Chad? Okay, he's not the station director. He's the program director. <laughs> he gets used to. It. But Chad is always described as a realistic Aggie. If level-headed so. Aggie. Yeah, level-headed Aggie. He is. We also, I mean, isn't Jeff Howe technically an Aggie? Right. Don't get him started uh, on that because we we yeah. we pointed out the fact that he he attended briefly, uh, what was then called. Central Texas College and junior college up there. It is now part of the Texas A&M system. Mm. Texas A&M, mm. you know, CTC, I guess, something like that. So anyway, he did. Yeah, but 
where say, didn't you attend a branch campus? So, he, <laughs> so anyway, um, our Specs text line always is open at uh, 512-337-3776, 512-337-3776. I will be with you until 11 o'clock. Uh, at that point, I uh, am in a meeting with the uh, Texas High School Coaches Association for their uh, their annual convention that will uh, – I'll be uh, moderating in, uh, the panel discussion with all of the Division I uh, FBS football coaches in the state of Texas. Uh, that's coming up next month. Uh, so we have a big meeting, an annual meeting where we do that, where everything gets mapped out in the other events, the Hall of Honor banquet, uh, the opening of the convention, where, I'm gonna, uh, where Mac Brown and I are going to do a uh, hangout Q&A thing, and then, uh, and then uh, another uh, event called the uh, Head Coaching Academy. So I'll be here the first hour of the program. Cam will be joined by the level-headed actor. Yeah. So you're going to get you'll, get, you'll get some perspective from him. I know he's very excited about this because in talking to Chad yesterday, he was extremely excited that all of the word had been kind of leaking out that it was a done deal that Texas and Texas A&M were going to play again. I think we all kind of knew it was coming, um, at least for this first year. And and when I tweeted out right after it came down that it, it was official that Texas would play both Oklahoma and A&M in 2024, uh, when that happened, uh, you know, there was all kinds of, you know, reactions or likes or retweets or whatever. And then, and then someone had, had said, is this how it's going to be every year? The Texas will get uh, only three road games in the SEC? No, it's not. Because, remember, first and foremost – the most important thing to remember, I think, about this schedule release, or at least the opponent release, it's not a full schedule because we don't have the dates uh, of these games, but the, uh, I think one of the, mo- the most important thing to remember about all this, it's that it's for one year, 2024. Then we're going to see where it is going forward once new television contracts are, are drawn up and things of that nature. So... The question is, you know, will there be a nine-game SEC schedule or an eight-game SEC schedule? Uh, and and it's an eight-game next year. And this was the other thing that uh, that we brought up yesterday on this program. I mentioned that uh, we would probably learn who the fourth non-conference opponent would be for Texas. I said it would be pretty much pretty close to the announcement of the other, and it turned out to be in conjunction with it, and that it would not be an FCS school, and it's not. It's Louisiana Monroe. UL Monroe will be the fourth non-conference opponent for Texas. Next year, it'll be on September 21st. So uh, those things, none of that surprised me from what I'd been able to find out and learn from from folks connected with the program. And, and, uh, and maybe it surprised some folks that – uh, the three games, the three games, Texas against Oklahoma, Arkansas, and A&M, none of those games would be played in Austin. Now, the Oklahoma game we know is a given. It's going to be in Dallas. And, le- and, and let me add something else here. There had been some conversation I heard on some other programs here on the station, including the one that precedes ours, but but not just Bucky and Aaron, but the other programs I'd heard speculation about, you know, what would happen if they didn't play it in the Cotton Bowl? Would it be in Jerry World? All oh, that'd be awful. Be said, Let me assure you, because I've heard it repeatedly, not once, not twice, repeatedly from both athletic directors, from Joe Castiglione, the uh, the AD at Oklahoma, and in addition to Joe Castiglione, also from Chris Conte, the University of Texas Vice President and Director of Athletics, that this game in Dallas will always be in the Cotton Bowl or it won't be in the Metroplex. It'll, it would revert to home and home. They're not going to play this game as a regular season game in Arlington. Good. I don't think that will ever happen. This goes back to 80s prior to that. The Lost Dodds always said that. Uh, when Mike Perrin was there was the interim AD, I think even when Steve Patterson in his brief time, they all said the 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 draw, the allure, the magic of that game is playing as a part of the State Fair of Texas on the fairgrounds, where on a given second Saturday in October, there are about two between two hundred fifty thousand and three hundred thousand people on the fairgrounds that day. 
There's a lot of folks who come down from Oklahoma and even some who come up from Austin uh, who go up there and they don't have a ticket and they might not wind up with a ticket, but they're around the buzz and the atmosphere of it. That doesn't happen in, in Arlington with it. The Big 12 championship game is a completely different animal. It's, it's run as a neutral site game. It's run by the league. So it's not going to have that type of vibe to it. It's a different vibe. It's a conference championship on the line. And depending on how good your team is that year, maybe accompanying it is a ticket to the playoff. Uh, if you win it, you have a good shot at it, especially with the expansion of the playoff coming in the near future. But I don't think you ever have to worry about that, not not probably in our lifetimes, that that if that game should ever leave the Cotton Bowl, and by the way, it almost did for a time in the early 2000s. It almost did because the Cotton Bowl was in such dire need of repair and renovation. And when Laura Miller was the uh, mayor of Dallas, she was against it. She was not on board with it. It almost left. And the way it was told to me and the way it was openly said by the lost odds even and Joe Castiglione, that if those improvements had not happened, they were going to pull the game out of Dallas, it would have gone to home and home. It was not going to be in Arlington. Uh, and so so I, I think it's pretty safe to say you don't ever have to worry about that. That's the, the, the game, the Texas OU game is, is always going to be played. If it's, going, if it's not at home and home, it's always going to be played at the Cotton Bowl um, in Dallas. All right, so maybe it surprised some folks that that the other two games, A&M and Arkansas, are both road games, but the trade-off for that is having those four full conference home games of Florida, Georgia, Kentucky, and Mississippi State. And then the one other road game that Texas has in league play is, as we mentioned, Vanderbilt in Nashville. So by and large... Uh, I think, you know, there will. Uh, uh, I think Longhorn fans are pretty excited about it, especially what they have with the, the, the teams that will be coming here. In addition to the renewal of these other games and rivalries, being able to host Georgia, I think, is going to be an absolute awesome atmosphere. And I think that's what Texas fans have mm-hmm. been looking for, right? Sure, sure. And then you add to that a non-conference road trip to Ann Arbor. Yeah. So that's on there as well. Uh, on the Specs text line at three three seven three seven seven six. Somebody said uh, it's 2023. I uh, must be uh, inclusive. Include all right. It's from A and M. So uh, the, you know, and and here's another thing. I want. Let me just say this too before we get to the break. Um, the business of uh, this deal about uh, I've I've heard Bucky and Aaron talk about this where they talk about uh, the all gas no excuses. What they said. I, I'm not sure. And I haven't talked to them about it, so I'll talk to them about it. I mean, that maybe that was just a moniker that they put on it like that, but I'm not exactly sure what they're basing on because there's no excuses offered over on campus. If you were to walk into Moncrief, there's a big sign there at the locker room that says no excuses. Nobody's offering any excuses. And yesterday, uh, for those I heard you know, folks texting in or calling in about, hey, better worry about 2023, they're not thinking about 2024. All that other noise you're hearing and the excitement that we're talking about, about 2024, that's media and fans. Mm -hmm. The team's bearing in on 2023. Before the schedule release, a few minutes before, Sark tweeted out 2023. And so did players retweeting it. That's a reminder to the guys, yeah. Yeah. Don't get get caught up in all the – Right. And and they were retweeting it as well. They're dialing in on 2023. There's one more year to go in the Big 12. And – and I do agree with uh, what Bucky is saying when he had Monty Williams on the. I mean, they're the the line for them is to try to to, to make sure you're in that final Big Twelve football championship game, to to exit out the way you want. And then the same thing with basketball and baseball and women's basketball and softball and track and field and golf and tennis and swimming and diving and every other sport, uh, rowing. You know, every other sport to try to exit as a champion. So. The focus is on 2023, but the down-the-road focus from the Southeastern Conference, from television and media fans, is on this schedule release. And I completely understand it. It makes sense because of the excitement of what's to come. All right, we need a break. 
When we come back, we will do Inconceivable. That is coming up. We're going to visit with Andrew Monaco, play-by-play voice of the Aggies at Texas A&M. We'll do that as well. All that and more when we continue with Light the Tower. On the Horn, 1049, 1019, AM 1260. We're live, local, and digital on the Horn app and at hornfm.com. Inconceivable. 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 You keep using the horn. I don't think it means what you think it means. Might be inconceivable to some folks to think about this ultimately that Texas and Texas a and we're going to play football again. Uh, again, we're going to visit with Andrew Monaco, uh, Aggies play-by-play voice coming up past the bottom of the hour. That's why we wanted to bring you Inconceivable a little bit earlier. And somebody else in the Specs text line asked the question, will there be a 2024 SEC championship game? If so, how will the participants be decided can't fully – Oh, cart fully before a horse here. No, no, it's it's uh, no raw, uh, no harm in asking the question, and it's already been announced that it's going to be done like the Big Twelve, in, the, in that the top two teams will go. There's no divisions, so it's going to be sixteen. Reminds me kind of like a British English Premier League soccer yeah. table, you know? Just have them all listed in one grid. There's no Alabama Georgia guarantee with this. How it's going to be in 2024. No, but there is an Alabama-Georgia guaranteed game Dang, in 2024. Yeah. How about that? Which will mean a lot. Which is really interesting because uh, in any other year, if that came out that Alabama was going to play Georgia, and, and there will be unbelievable hype around it as well when they play in 2024. There certainly will be. But again, to go back to what we were talking about, the way it was presented by SEC Network – they were doing it almost like college football playoff style when they showed Texas with that neutral side game with Oklahoma, and then they did the slow pan out to show, yes, it's going to be A&M, and it's at home, and yes, it's da 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 So they went, they went on and did it like that. So the way it was presented, obviously, the Texas-Texas A&M renewal was going to be the big thing. And then, oh, by the way, Alabama's playing Georgia. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it's, it's, it's a pretty big deal. But it's the top two teams that will be – headed for the SEC championship starting in 2024. They got one more year of this division alignment in uh, 2023. Okay. We got a couple of stories to get to here. Um, First of all, uh, Cam and I both have said that we're McDonald's. We have a weakness for it. You know, have you had the grimace meal yet? I've not. Okay. And, and, but I noticed CB, our, our man CB had the grimace birthday shake, that purple shake with the, Wild berry flavors and said it was pretty good. Okay, and and the reviews on it have been pretty good. So I thought uh, about it passing by, did not stop, but I, I may have to on my cheat day. When was the last time you would say? I, it, not necessarily for you, but since you're not married and don't have children, this probably doesn't apply to you. But when was the last time you could remember either purchasing or having purchased for you a, a happy meal? Oh, I mean, it's got to be. Decades. When, when, yeah. When was the? What's the age limit? Ten, twelve. Whenever Something that like was. The, yeah. Whenever okay. that was. All right. Uh, I, don't, I don't. I know some adults go and will buy a happy meal. I don't. I don't do that. L- Linda likes the happy meal okay. because the she toy? Just likes the si- no, no, no. <laughs> the, the size, of the the cheeseburger and the small yeah, fries or whatever. Condensed. Down. So we'll we'll do that. Well, and I always like deny the toy if I order it. <laughs> it's like no, no, thanks. Save the toy for another kid. Well, uh, it's probably a good thing, and and maybe in Michigan. Uh, maybe folks will think twice about ordering this specific toy because you have the child-specific toy. The one's under three, I believe, or the larger. Two moms recently said they kind of got more than they bargained for when they visited their local McDonald's for a couple of Happy Meals. Instead of finding the brightly colored Happy Meal toy, Detroit-area mom Kayla Almashi was the first to say that her daughter opened up the Happy Meal and said, here you go, box cutters. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> the Happy Meal. And so then, right after that, uh, a couple of weeks later, another Michigan mom, Don Parrott, said she also found a box cutter in her child's Happy Meal. The it same was, the same location? Uh, does not say that. Let's see. It doesn't say it was the same one. Mm. So, uh, it, uh, you know, in, in fact, it says local McDonald's locations. So it was another one. Yellow box cutter packed away in the order. So 
I mean, when when you look at it, it kind of almost looks like a toy of some sort there. Yeah, I but, wonder, because what was the toy they were handing out? I wonder if it was the same color. Maybe they just saw yellow yeah, or it's a bright color. Yeah, like, eh, whatever. Uh, uh, yeah. Uh, lately, I think it's had to do with... Uh, the, the the remake of uh, Little Mermaid, I think. Something mm. like that. Might have been that. So, the box cutters were discovered by adults quickly enough to avoid causing any harm to either child. Both moms wrote they cannot help but think about what might have happened if a younger child had received the tools and attempted to open or play with them. So, <laughs> be careful if you're buying your Happy Meal out there uh, and you order the toy <laughs> on that if you... If you do that, looking at the toys for the McDonald's release, they look nothing alike. So, yeah, okay, all right. A um, couple of sports-related things. Uh, did you see the end of the Astros game last night? I heard about it, did not watch. Okay, Linda and I were out at dinner last night, and we saw it. She actually saw it first, and then I saw it on the replay. Uh, Astros won in a walk-off, mm-hmm. and the way the walk-off happened, bases were loaded. And there was a ground ball to short. And uh, on the ground ball, uh, it happened uh, where they were they, the Astros had rallied from down three runs on the top of the inning. The Astros loaded the bases against relief pitcher Hunter Harvey. So with one out, Harvey appeared to get the play needed when Jake Myers hit a ground ball to shortstop C.J. Abrams, who threw out Kyle Tucker at home. So that's out number two. So then Nationals catcher Cabert Ruiz went for the double play with the throw to first base. The ball then went off Jake Myers' helmet and went down the line, and the Astros get the win. So Dave Martinez really upset, thought he was running out of the baseline, all that kind of stuff. But he didn't just do your normal thing. Or the game's over. So he's argued, 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 and it's a non-reviewable play. Mm-hmm. So what does he do? He gets a printout of it oh, on the computer. Yes. Gets a printout, and then – and then holds up the printout in the press conference and says, there it is right there. Take a good look at that. Is that on the line? I don't think so. I'm I'm over this play. They need to fix the rule. This is what the umpires see, that he's running down the line. Tired of it. Tired of it. Fix it. We lost the game, and he had nothing to say about it because he can't make the right call. Brutal. There'll be a fine coming there uh, off of that. And then, of course, everybody was recalling in the World Series – Remember the Astros play with the the one with Trey Turner mm-hmm. down the line uh, there in 2019. So so that that immediately uh, recalled efforts of that. Um, also, this um, Oakland Athletics thing. You know they did the reverse boycott deal on Monday night. And they had 27,000 fans show up for that, and they're trying to convince A's ownership to sell the team. That was the big hashtag. Sell the team. Stay in Oakland. Sell the team. They were doing that. Well, now they've gotten some, uh, you might say, uh, celebrity help involved with this. First of all, first of all. Brad Pitt? uh, No. Billy Joe Armstrong of Green Day. Okay. Okay. Was there. uh, All excited. Uh, uh, Billy Joe was at the game. Uh, He wrote on his Instagram stories, Oakland forever, Vegas never, hashtag sell the team. Tom Hanks, big Oakland A's guy. In fact, when he was a teenager, sold concessions at at the Coliseum. How about that? Yeah. He was at a media event and was asked whether he would consider buying the A's from the uh, uh, A's owner, John Fisher. And he said his his answer was um, the A's are valued at about $1.18 billion. Hank's net worth is said to be around four hundred million. He said, "I don't have that money. I don't have the kind of money on that." He's, uh, but then he said, "We lost the Raiders, the Warriors moved to San Francisco, and now they're going to take the A's out of Oakland. Damn them all to hell," was his comment. And then he was told, "Well, you know, the A's are only averaging about two thousand fans per game." He says, "The greatest fans in all of baseball." So. Uh, he said he didn't do all that well in his career money-wise to, to pull up that kind of money. Uh, so there it is. And uh, he did have a summer job at the Coliseum as a hot dog vendor when he was 14 hmm. on that. So, All right, we need a break. When we come back, uh, we're going to visit with uh, Andrew Monaco, the uh, play-by-play voice 
of the Aggies of Texas A&M. We'll have our Longhorn Notebook coming your way. Uh, I'm with you for the first hour of the program. Yes, yes, the uh, uh, the the level-headed Aggie, uh, Chad Hastings, will be in uh, to give his side of it also in the 11 o'clock hour with Cameron. That's coming up. But we'll have our Longhorn Notebook next when we continue with Life the Tower on the Horn, 104.9, 1019, AM 1260. We're live, local, and digital on the Horn app at hornfm.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Light the Tower with Craig Way and Jeff Howe. Yes, aren't we all family once more? <laughs> this is Light the Tower on the Horn. Craig, way with you. I'm producer Cameron Parker with that specific selection. Toward that end, and with everything we've been talking about, about uh, the SEC opponent schedule release for 2024, it is time now for our Longhorn Notebook. Longhorn Notebook. The Longhorn Notebook, uh, of course, deals in specific with, obviously, University of Texas Athletics, Longhorn Athletics, things like that. Well, it it certainly is on the front burner uh, today uh, in these parts uh, about the 2024 SEC schedule release, the conference opponent release, I should say, because we don't have the scheduled dates yet. However, uh, it's on the front burner all around the Southeastern Conference. And the number one story, certainly as we mentioned, the way it was presented on that uh, on SEC Network has to be the renewal of Texas and Texas A&M playing. And they will uh, uh, resume it in uh, 2024, and it will pick up where it left off in College Station. And toward that end, so pleased to have a good friend join us, play-by-play voice of the Aggies at Texas A&M. Andrew Monaco joins us on the Vaqueros Cafe and Cantina Hotline. How are you this morning, Andrew? I am doing well, my friend. It is so good to talk to you, and I'm excited that I'm going to get to see you a lot more starting next season, which makes me very happy. I <laughs> know. We, we got a chance to see each other when I was doing the Westwood One broadcast of that, that home game you had against LSU uh, in the in the drizzle and the rain and all that stuff a few, a few years ago. But we're l- looking forward to this. That I wanted to, to have you on to have you uh, tell folks, because, you know, everybody lives in their own little bubbled-in world uh, of, of – of uh, collegiate fandom, and and certainly Longhorn fans are very excited about this, and and uh, I would imagine that by and large, uh, Aggie fans are excited about uh, the schedule release or the opponent uh, schedule release, and and then getting ready for uh, the renewal of the rival. What's been the vibe over there once it became official yesterday evening that Texas and Texas A&M were going to do play football once again? I'm, I'm guessing that they, if they wanted to start a ticket pull for that game in 2024, there would be Aggies lined up for that one. I think it's a lot of excitement, Craig. I really do. I, and, and to add uh, back to being conference rivals, uh, I think is exciting. And it, it's, when you add in that next year is also the year that we start a series with Notre Dame, uh, it's, it's LSU comes in as well. You look at that home schedule and it's dynamite. And to me, it's a, an atmosphere for uh, all those Saturday nights become something absolutely electric, but the rivalry comes back in football. I know that we have played in other sports. The first thing I thought, Craig, honestly, was 
isn't ABC going to fight for this game and put this on in some prime time? I mean, it falls right in their lap. And, and with the SEC trying to, uh, to me, this is to me, they try to uphold all the rivalries. So LSU will keep playing Alabama, Alabama and Tennessee in the third Saturday in, in, in October. They want to keep Georgia and Auburn. This rivalry falls right in their lap. Uh, and I think it's just absolutely not just made for a great atmosphere, but I think it's absolutely made for television. And to me, it's an absolute ABC game. Now, where, when, and we know where, when will it be played? That's what we're going to find out. And I, I would love to see the tradition come back of it being on Thanksgiving weekend. Well, you, you just made a great point, first of all, that with several, if not the majority, certainly several of the SEC schools, there are multiple uh, big traditional rivalries uh with with uh auburn it's alabama and georgia with georgia it's auburn and florida with alabama uh it's auburn and tennessee with uh it with texas a&m it would be texas and lsu with texas it would be uh texas a&m and oklahoma so there are multiple important rival for tennessee it would be alabama and vanderbilt there's there's multiple important rivalries being renewed as a result of this, I mean, even Texas, Arkansas, and of course, A and M will have that game against Arkansas. Now, it, help me out on this: the the game with Arkansas this year is is going to be a Jerry World, and then uh, going uh, future, will it stay in Arlington, or is there a future plan to have that go cam- uh, home and home? Twenty four is the last year in Ar- in uh, Arlington, so so two more years, and then it goes back. Uh, onto the onto the campuses, but that deal is through 24, which I think a lot of people are looking as well at that at the schedule to see where that game was going to be. But that one is through 2024, so two more years playing that one uh, in Arlington. But you're right about even those secondary rivalries, Craig. And I don't mean to I don't mean to label it that way because they're, <laughs> they're important. Um, that's that's another thing that the SEC just adds with the addition of Texas and Oklahoma is even more rivalries and the, some traditions and some history between these schools. And by getting away from the East and the West, I think you're able to keep some of those rivalries. Florida and LSU has been one that was kind of created as they were playing, but you make a great point. There's a lot of them that get to be protected. And I think that's important for the fans. Yeah, I I agree. And uh, you know, uh, I've compared it to, because I've said this about the Big Twelve as well, when they when they did away with the divisional thing, I said it was like a it's like an English Premier League soccer table. You know, you just you just line them all up there in the table, and then your top two winners are going to wind up playing uh, for the for the championship. Let me ask you about that non conference schedule again, because I'm looking at it now for 2024, and there's some similarities. Uh, between what what Texas is doing and and uh, what Texas is uh, Texas A and M is doing, you've got the big marquee non conference matchup for Texas. They have to go to Ann Arbor next year, and of course uh, the the Aggies have Notre Dame uh, starting up on that, and then uh, they're playing Bowling Green and McNeese and New Mexico State. Was that already done before the SEC, or did it do like Texas when they announced the fourth non conference opponent yesterday evening being UL Monroe? No, we've had we've had those. I think it's basically through twenty eight. So the the marquee is Notre Dame twenty four and twenty five, uh, Arizona State, Louisville is how it lines up the next two years. So we finish up with Miami this year, going to South Florida. But those um, non conference have been lined up for that time, which was why we were all wondering: was it going to be an eight game conference schedule or a nine game conference schedule? And if it does down the line become nine conference games in the sec it's going to be interesting to see if it involves buyouts or what happens with those contracts i can't see the marquee games going away but i'm wondering about those other ones but that that non-conference for uh texas a&m has been set uh for a while now yeah uh visiting with andrew monaco texas a&m play-by-play voice here on light the tower okay uh i I want i want to get your thoughts on these uh sec opponents for next year and then i'm gonna i'm going to pull it back forward and get your thoughts on uh going into 2023 but first of all with regard to 2024 uh other than other than texas and lsu those traditional rivalry games if, if you were to pull them out which game on that schedule 
excites you the most uh, from and, and which one do you think probably excites Aggie fans the most other than the Texas and LSU games that's on the 2024 schedule for A&M it's, it's interesting what school is not on there which has been part of A&M since they've come in is Alabama is not on there Brian Kelly got his wish they asked they asked BK uh, do you want to play Alabama every year yeah 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 well he got his wish so for Texas A&M, that's, that's not there. Uh, Auburn has always been a decent rivalry. And to go to Florida, I think, is, is one. Uh, Florida came in uh, during the COVID year. Uh, Dan Mullen was still there. And that was kind of a, a, a run for the Aggies. That was one of those wins that kind of turned that Orange Bowl season around. Um, I, I think when you look at those, and, th- and those are two road games. So I, I want to say the Aggies opened up SEC play their first road game was at Florida uh, uh, in, in Johnny's season. Uh, so I would think, I think those two always stand out because you're playing Auburn every single season. They've been a, an SEC West opponent. And then the biggest complaint, Craig, has been, you know, we've never been to Kentucky. That was the, the, the schedule was going to change in the SEC. At, at some point it was going to be, I think, in 24 anyway. So, so student-athletes could play all the schools we're going to Tennessee well we went to Tennessee for COVID but we're going to Tennessee in the original schedule this would have been the first time we're going there since coming in to the conference it's what are we looking at we're looking at 12 years later before you know a, a player gets to go and, and and play the volunteers uh up there in Knoxville so I think that's been a nice change so there's a couple of teams that that you haven't seen for a while or haven't played in their stadium I think that's what's exciting we've only gone to Georgia once you know what I mean? And, and George has not come to Kyle Field. So I, I'm, like, I'm liking that that's being rectified. But with a, by playing Auburn every year, like we'll play them in September this year, by playing them every year, that kind of gets some of that rivalry going. Continuing that, that series with, with South Carolina, wasn't sure they'd become the permanent opponent, wasn't sure that was going to be it. But uh, I think it's any time you have some of those rivals from the West you'd be able to play, that's the one that kind of gets you jazzed up. And, and as you know, Craig, Fans like to pick one trip or two trips to go to kind of becomes that marquee matchup. That's been one where Aggies have been able to travel and go see. Absolutely. Uh, okay, let, let, let me get your thoughts on 2023 uh, because you open uh, against New Mexico on September 2nd. You mentioned the return game with Miami. That's the marquee game on there. You have uh, ULM who will play Texas in 2024. That was the fourth non-conference announced yesterday. And then you open SEC play uh, with Auburn. Uh, at at Kyle Field, uh, followed by the Arkansas game, and then you mentioned playing Alabama, which has uh, been, of course, uh, being in the West, a traditional thing, and then uh, the road trip to Knoxville as well. So there's there's some yeah. games on there uh, in addition to the end of the season, the Thanksgiving uh, weekend, and, and I'm with you. I would love to see the Texas-Texas A&M game return to uh, the Thanksgiving weekend, don't know. Neither of us know right now whether that's going to be the case or not. I know there's going to have to be more conversations about that. But how about your thoughts on this particular schedule, and for that matter, the the preparation for Jimbo Fisher and and his staff and getting this team ready for 2023? Craig, I'm excited that the right players came back for this team. I, I like that Anaya Smith and Damani Richardson. They're the two that I'll bring up first. Anias coming back to be one of the receivers uh, to lead a better receiving core than last year. Damani Richardson on the back end, just what he has between the ears. I'll use the Greg Popovich line, the corporate knowledge that he has. But McKinley Jackson saying he's going to come back on that defensive line. To have Layden Robinson on the offensive line uh, come back. I think they're the right guys and the right leadership because I think there was a bit of a void last year for Texas A&M with the leadership and you're bringing experience back. And and I think that's important. That was another thing that was missing last year. And I'm also excited to see the freshmen who become sophomores. And Craig, I say that because you know, this, when you've got a young player, you usually want to play him only so many snaps. Well, because of the injuries, you're playing these young guys more snaps than they probably should, but they get that feeling of, okay, now I belong on this field. And that confidence grows. And when they say, hey, I like being – I'll bring up Bryce Anderson, who's, who's maybe the nickel for this team for uh, replacing Antonio Johnson. 
I belong, and he's going to do. He likes being a starter, <laughs> and he's not going to give that up. He's going to compete every time. That's what excites me. That that inexperience then becomes experience and understands what it takes to play. Again, you know this to go from high school football to not just college football to play in the Big Twelve or to play in the SEC. It's a big jump, and when you say I belong. I think that confidence kicks in. And then what do you do to keep that spot? Are you always going to compete? I like that there is now an, this is now an experienced team, and I like that there is some leadership coming back for 2023. Hey, uh, before I let you go, we had uh, a, a seam head girl, one of our texters, asked, and uh, she asked, have, have you heard anything about baseball scheduling in the SEC? And I would say no, and you will have the advantage on me if you've heard anything on that because I know they work one year at a time. I mean, it's not even revealed yet what the spring 2024 baseball uh, schedule will look like for both of them. So maybe we're jumping ahead of our scales. But, but what I wanted to bring up with is um, folks have asked me, how many SEC parks have you done baseball in? And the answer is very few. I mean, it's the old school ones that that were in the Big 12 or the Southwest Conference, uh, like Arkansas, yeah. Texas A&M, obviously, Missouri uh, comes to mind. I've been to Alex Box Stadium and Ole Miss for a Super Regional in 2005, and that's it. So I'm going to get my first experience at Duty Noble on down the road in Starkville and and uh, and Alabama and Auburn and and uh, down in uh, Gainesville and and even Kentucky and Lindsey Nelson Stadium in Knoxville and and uh, in South Carolina. So I mean, am, am I in for a treat on those uh, baseball uh, venues? Uh-huh. You you know you know the way I'm thinking here, Craig, because it's more than just the nine innings for you. You're going to love because combination foodie right for you right of course <laughs> because i love following you because i like to see what you're eating <laughs> i live vicariously through you <laughs> i think you're going to love the towns and and craig don't you think it's, it's sometimes a benefit for us in baseball we get to park in a town for three days yes and you get to experience all of athens and all of auburn and and to me you know i love campuses and stadiums and stuff like that and, and those downtowns are are so much fun. I think you're really going to enjoy it. I, I really do. I, it was my first time to Duty Noble uh, this past year. Absolutely loved it. And no, the schedule, I, I think they're still working on that schedule. Um, it, it will be a gauntlet, uh, that's for sure. But I think you get that in, in any of the major college. There's a reason why Texas is always going to Omaha because of the the teams that David Pierce puts together and the, and the rich tradition and the, and the history. There's a reason why Wake Forest is number one in the ACC, but it's that gauntlet in the SEC and having to do that. I don't know if it's going to be 30 or 36 games. I, I have no idea. You know it's going to be no more than 10 weekends, but I think you're going to absolutely love it because you love atmospheres. You love the way that the towns are. You, you love the way fans are to see what that's like and, I, I just can't imagine what a, what a weekend's going to be when Texas walks into um, Alex Box for a weekend here. I, I just think it's going to be absolutely fantastic. Same thing with Mississippi State. I think you're going to love all these towns, and I know you're going to love the competition, and I know you're going to like how Texas is going to stack up against the rest of the SEC. Fact or fiction, you loved everything about the trip to uh, Palo Alto uh, in terms of the uh, the climate, uh, the the uh, dining options, uh, the environment, everything except the working space in the press box. Fact. <laughs> but you know what we know is good about that, Craig? If I if 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 I got a little tired, I could just turn my mic and I could hear Roxy Bernstein talking. So <laughs> Or in my case, Mike Monaco. Right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't understand how they host a regional and have just one big what's it called? The crowded house? Did you call it the crowded house? I called it the crowded house, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And and it, 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 and I was used to it because of uh, the twenty year relationship that Augie Garrido had with uh with Mark Marquis and they had the home and home. So I'd been there uh, yeah. six or seven times doesn't make it any easier to work in there but no. but but I no. at least I knew what no. was coming and when I saw that photo of you I felt for you a little bit because I thought oh if he knew what he was walking into on that deal <laughs> yeah absolutely but I enjoyed it immensely um, the weather was outstanding 
uh, as it as it always is. Love the town of uh, Palo Alto. I was able to text with a, a parent of Jacob Polish who pitched at Stanford and then with us last year. I said, I see why Jacob, who grew up in Dallas, I see why he came to Stanford. And just talking about it, they loved it. Wonderful experience for that, uh, for sure, to be out there. I, I had not been out there. But, uh, yeah, I, I'm sure there's a lot of people saying, I, I wish Andrew would shut up. I have a tendency to get loud. So, <laughs> the crowded house, you flat out nailed it, for sure. I had somebody, I had several people either tweet or text me and said on when, when Texas got the big hit on Saturday from Porter Brown, they could hear me in the background behind Mike Monaco and Kyle Peterson. You know, that's how snug we all were. There, but that's that's okay. That means, that means you get you get to invoice ESPN then, right? Yeah, that's, that's works, right. Baby. That's right. Get, send me some talent on that. Yeah. Hey, uh, it's always great to visit with you. I look forward to visiting with you uh, more often. Uh, well, this will this will be uh, here before we know it, obviously. But uh, I really appreciate you taking a few minutes to join me, and and we'll look forward to uh, catching up with each other again down the road. Always a pleasure, my friend. Thank you. All right, thanks. That is the one and only Andrew Monaco. He's the play-by-play voice of the Aggies of Texas A&M. Yeah, it's just around the corner. All right, uh, we're going to wrap up hour number one here. Like I said, I'm uh, headed down to uh, meet with the Texas High School Coach Association down in San Marcos. So I've got that going on. Uh, but I'll be back tomorrow. Tomorrow, by the way, Gene Watson, Assistant General Manager Kansas City Royals, joins us. We're getting back on the regular train with him and talking Major League Baseball. So he will be with us. Uh, tomorrow, so we'll do that. But we invite you to stay tuned because the level-headed Aggie himself, Chad Hastings, will join Cameron Parker as you guys kind of break down. I, I didn't even ask you what 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 are you most excited about about the 2024 schedule? It's got to be A and M. Has to be A and M. Yeah. If you had to separate that from it, what would it be? Being able to host George, I think, will be a lot of fun. Yeah, that'll yeah. be pretty cool. That'll be cool. It'll be a good year for season ticket holders like myself. That's, that's there you sure. go. All right. We invite you to stay tuned. Hour number two coming up. Chad Hastings joins Cameron Parker here on Light the Tower on the Horn 1049, 1019, AM 1260, live local and digital on the Horn app and at hornfm.com.